Welcome to Hallmark Up with Mary and Sarah. So the lead actor in this one, Chris Palaha, where have I seen him before? I don't think I've seen him in a Hallmark movie before, though I know he's done some. Well, my dad was quick to point out that he was apparently in Wonder Woman 1984. He's like, oh, okay. I know I saw him in that. And then he looked it up and he was called like Handsome Man. <laughs> Very believable. <laughs> yes, thank you. So welcome to another episode of Hallmarked Up. So we have a guest with us this week, um, my good friend Ted Hawks. And Ted is joining us with a special kind of expertise that he's bringing to the show because Ted is a book coach. And so, Ted, do you want to say a little bit about what that is and why it will be relevant to our rewrite of a Hallmark movie? Um, Yeah, so I'm a book coach, which means basically just helping people, whatever part of they are in building a book, uh, getting to the finish line, whether it's drafting, outlining, um, doing the agent query stuff. Uh, So we just kind of help people get their narrative in the best shape possible. Um, So Mary had me on because she wanted (laughs) a little perspective on the narrative of a Hallmark movie and what it's like. And I have to say, I learned a lot from watching this, to be honest. So I'm very excited to discuss. That's excellent. Ted has coached me through writing my own book, or I suppose revising and um, querying my own book. And so he's extremely good at this. And I'm curious to see if he thinks this, this plot that we're about to discuss was salvageable. <laughs> the the, the laughter kind of gives it all away. But I, I think so this week we watched A Dickens of a Holiday, starring the very potentially underutilized Christopher Palaha, because he's the most talented, I think, guy they have around and uh and also Brooke Diosay who um we pointed out in our texting back and forth was in featured in the one we watched I believe in like January of last year I don't know maybe this spring I can't remember yeah we watched it in like I think it was oh we watched the hockey one in January yeah and then we did a Valentine movie in February and that was this one it was the one where she was um, Beverly Hills Bride yeah she was like the sister of the bride but yeah, this was this was an interesting one. So let's get into sort of recapping it sort of right off the bat. The first note that I wrote when I was taking notes on this was why would you stage a Christmas carol and have it open on Christmas Eve? That seems like underutilizing your season. However, it's very Hallmark though, as we know. They like yeah. the Christmas tree on the 24th, <laughs> like in the town square, you know, right. all the, the Christmas pageant is the night before Christmas. And because and apparently the whole town can still come to all this shit that's right before Christmas. And it's a but, great irony because Hallmark movies actually start running in mid-October. <laughs> um, yet everyone in Hallmark movies clearly does everything. That on, is in, like, a very good point, Mary. I never thought of that before. Like, and they are obviously not capitalizing on the fact that they could be doing town square things before october before halloween anyways they're putting on a production of a christmas carol and to be entirely fair it seems like this is an annual production and so maybe it is some kind of tradition that they always have it on christmas eve and it would be very hallmark for that to happen right for there to be like a town tradition that always happens on christmas eve and it also takes place in dickens ohio Right, Dickens, Ohio. Is this a real place? Did anyone Google? I did look it up. Not a real place, but we did know that they at least got the area code right for Ohio. No, actually, I have comments about the area code. We'll get there. We'll get (laughs) there. All right, all right, all right. I won't defend it just yet. It's not where I'm the area code. code. I was excited for a moment, but no. So this is in Dickens, Ohio, and apparently they have a hundred year tradition of staging a theatrical production of A Christmas Carol every year. And this year, the director is one Cassie, who apparently worked off-Broadway doing some directing, was not terribly successful, came home to help her mom through an illness and has not directed in a while. So this is her chance to really get back into it. Also important note about Cassie is that she is divorced. Oh, right. That was very, especially compared to the one we just did where there were a widower and a widow. Right. It used to be at Hallmark. Everyone, if you, everyone had to be either 35 and never married or widowed. Yeah. Because the the only two choices. Right. Right. You couldn't have ever, marriage never ends. That's not a thing in Hallmark. (laughs) So she's divorced. And this is something that it seems like was supposed to build some backstory and didn't really, various points they were like, oh yeah. I actually missed it until you pointed out that they did bring it up (laughs) again that she was divorced. I was like, oh oh, wow. And she talks to Palaha about it. 
so anyways, they have this guy who apparently has been playing Scrooge every year for a long time. And it was like her high school drama teacher. His name is Ray, but Ray has laryngitis and he's on strict vocal rest. And the understudy has skipped town because the understudy was like, oh, hey, I, I, I want to cruise. And she was like, oh, yeah, you should go. We won't need you because Ray's got this down. So the understudy skipped town and now they have no one to play Scrooge. And there's a week until opening night and they're screwed. Well, the one thing I do want to comment at this point is that what I couldn't figure out, so the mayor is like absolutely saying we must replace him. We have to do it or there won't be any show and, and kind of Because suggests, of course the mayor is involved because of course. <laughs> well, but, but the, and, and even suggests like, what about Jake? So Jake is like a, he's now an action movie right. star. So now he, we should introduce who Jake is. Yes. yes. So both he's, Ray, who can't talk, he writes on a whiteboard. And the mayor, who apparently is involved in all the decision-making regarding the play, because Dickens is that kind of town, suggests that she replace Ray as Scrooge with one Jake Dorsey, who is sort of the hometown boy who made good. He is a famous action movie star, and he is their only hope. And he has um, a catchphrase. And he has a catchphrase in all his action movies. And it is, who wants to do, who wants to do the voice? I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it either. Mary, right, well, it's up to you. It is, do the right thing. Or it'll be the last thing you do. Right. Did it occur to anyone that the mayor probably would have been a better choice for Scrooge <laughs> than someone that was like way too young to be playing him? And I just read A Christmas Carol. So, and it's a very fun sort of light book. And it's uh, just a really entertaining read. So I love this idea of Scrooge as like going through the darkest night of despair. Like they're like, you can't play Scrooge. You're not qualified. Like it was like, I don't know. I thought that was so venerated that Scrooge was like the most difficult role to ever play. And only Jack Dorsey, who's known for the throttle run movies, could do it. Right. There's a lot of confusing information around the role of Scrooge. And this is definitely portrayed, we'll get there, but this is definitely portrayed as a meatier role than he has ever played. This is his way of proving he can do meaty traumatic roles. Yes, because he ultimately would like to star in like the Dunes of End Time or something like that, which was some kind of drama coming out that was based on a book this mother loved so but we are he, getting ahead of ourselves we are i yes, know i'm totally sorry. jumping around <laughs> but anyways so yeah fun fact about jake dorsey is his nephew is also playing tiny tim his nephew oh yes brendan there's mm-hmm. often in hallmark as we are aware an adorable niece or nephew um <laughs> who will pull on the heartstrings and be extremely mature for their age and absolutely never annoying as kids their age frequently are there's a bit of a there's a bit of estrangement of Jake and his brother and, yes. and this child though they have they haven't seen each other for quite some time. Exactly, Brendan nephew clearly worships Jake but hasn't seen him in a while and it's clear that he doesn't come home much. He just like sends Christmas presents every year, and so his brother Jake's dad is kind of not Jake's dad Brendan's dad is kind of bitter about this. Yeah. Anyways, Jake's their only hope to save the production. And it turns out that he asked Cassie to prom in high school and she turned him down. And so she feels awkward about asking him to um, be in this production. So she calls him and they have this awkward conversation where he's like, well, what do you want? People only call me from 614 numbers when they want something. And I just want to point out 614 is my area code. That is Columbus, Ohio area code. And so hell yeah, 614 represent. That's right. Um, I knew you were excited. Was anyone surprised how skinny Jack's legs were in the FaceTime scene when he was playing golf? Because he was like a larger than life presence. And then, I don't know, I was just very surprised by- I didn't even notice this. Oh, wow, yeah. me neither. But that is interesting. I don't know. <laughs> we're obviously paying very much attention to the content, Ted, when we want yeah, to- I was going to say, yeah, the dialogue and plot are most important. I'm sorry. I'm the dialogue sorry and plot are everything here, obviously. <laughs> um, he- is kind of turning her down for the role kind of like yeah why would I come back to Ohio to act in this community theater production of a, a Christmas Carol but then right after the phone call he finds out that he has been turned down for the quote meaty dramatic role unquote that he really really wanted which was in an adaptation of his deceased mother's favorite book which was called the deans of the deans the dunes of Eastland or some uh-huh. shit like that I don't even know I, it was definitely something that started with an e it was like Emmeltine or Emmeltine. <laughs> I don't know uh, it, but it, it looked like old women walking along a beach kind of yeah thing, at some point them. we see the cover of this book and it's very it's like a nicholas sparks cover it's like um, the bridges of madison county but at the shore sure there we go there we go essentially i love that um, it's left up to the imagination though like you have no idea very, what it's about it's very deep obviously yes it's very literary it's deep, clearly there's a beach and then yeah. you get to fill in the gaps yeah, right exactly imagine right if you will and like how easy would it have been to think of a, a real book that is his mother's favorite book that he wanted the role in 
and it could be something in the public domain. Like this wouldn't have to be a copyright issue. You know, it could have been, you know, like a Thomas Hardy novel or some shit, but no, (laughs) they had to make up the Dunes of Eastland. I actually want to see that movie. After Jake's performance is screwed, like oh my god, he can do anything. He's unstoppable. He's he is unstoppable. So, anyways, so this is what changes his heart about the Scrooge role because this is his chance to show that he can take on a meaty dramatic role. So this is how he's going to prove himself to the producers of the Dunes of East Dune or whatever the fuck it's called. So instead of like a normal human being calling Cassie back and being like, you know what, actually I've changed my mind. He just shows up to rehearsal, right, as she's announcing to the cast that the show's called off because they don't have a Scrooge. She's like, oh, I guess we have a Scrooge now. And she's clearly, like, deeply uncomfortable with this. She didn't really want to ask him, but she did anyways. And even though she's deeply uncomfortable with him being in this show, by minute 24, they are on a date at a cocoa stand. Yes. Because this is Hallmark. That's so. right. And there's a cocoa stand on every corner. <laughs> There's a cocoa stand. We talked in our last episode about how much hot cocoa is generally consumed in these Hallmark towns and it, it flows like water. What's there to say? That's right. That's so, right. It's, it's all you drink <laughs> at, at Christmas time. So anyways, in this conversation on this date, they're having at a cocoa stand. And this is another thing. They have a, no- a number of like dates that I think are like pretty clearly dates. And yet it is unclear what the status of their relationship is or whether they consider them dates but more on that later so in this conversation we learn that they knew each other through high school drama but jake was not an actor he was a set guy who never got cast in shows um even though he tried out because everyone just saw him as the set guy i need to comment on this (laughs) anyone who's ever done high school drama knows that there is no such thing as a set guy who auditions and never gets cast any male who auditions for a high school show gets cast and about half the time gets the leading role because only two other guys tried out. So next we're at some town festival and it's unclear what exactly this town f- festival is, but it's definitely related to, you know, Dickens days or whatever this thing is that they do every year before Christmas. And the mayor's there and he introduces Jake and Jake's not there in time to be introduced. And everybody's sad or whatever, but then Santa doesn't show up because this is Hallmark and somebody needs to play Santa and so guess who's going to play Santa Jake's going to play Santa guess who's going to sit on Santa's lap oh my god this was the worst I know this made me very uncomfortable (laughs) also I think this kid's too old to be sitting on Santa's lap well he did say that to be clear he did say that yes to be fair he's like I know I'm a little bit old for this Santa and Jake as Santa is like Nonsense. No one's told. Oh, it's Brendan, by the way. I don't know if we said this. His Brendan, nephew, his nephew, his is nephew. the kid now sitting outside. Yeah. And Brendan's Tiny Tim, Tiny like, Tim. Tiny Tim. What do we think he is, like 11? Yeah, 11, yeah. 12. Yeah. I think that I believed in Santa Claus much longer than the average child did, and that still seems old to me for believing in Santa Claus, in, in particular for sitting on Santa Claus's lap. <laughs> um, but whatever. Brendan sits on Santa Claus's lap. Unbeknownst to Brendan, Santa Claus is Jake. Brendan should have figured this out because he's old enough to recognize his own fucking uncle. Especially when he's just wearing a fake beard and putting yeah. on some bad accent. Like this is not, <laughs> this is like a Superman Clark Kent situation where it's like he literally just took off his glasses and now no one knows who he is. And his Mary, nephew is, is very aware. Of the ta- very, his nephew is very aware of how talented his uncle is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he even says at one point he can do so many voices, but apparently not Santa Claus's voice. No, because he was a terribly unconvincing Santa Claus. He sounded exactly like Jake Dorsey as Santa Claus. So anyways, what does Brendan tell Santa Claus he wants for Christmas? All he wants for Christmas is for his dad and his uncle Jake to get along. I don't know if you can help me, Santa. (laughs) It was so terrible. Maybe maybe I would like to think that Brendan actually knew that we're not giving Brendan enough credit credit. and that he knew and he was like milking it for all it's worth. Anyways, um, by minute 39, I want to point out that there's more hot cocoa already. And <laughs> it is while Jake and Brendan are running their lines for the play. And I don't really know what the point of that scene was other than they're bonding and drinking hot cocoa. So cool. I think it was to introduce the conflict with the uh, brother. Because he be, comes in like, blah, blah, blah. Get out of here. <laughs> That's right. Here. That's right. Yeah. Also, that, that scene had a gay couple in it, which I oh, did was it? very happy about. Yeah, they, they got no attention, but they were in the middle of the frame and then quickly moved off. <laughs> like a blink and you miss them situation. Yes, We've exactly. talked about this before. <clears throat> for the Last year, for the first time, it was a really big deal that Hallmark 
had a gay couple be actual characters in a movie. But the thing is, they weren't like romantic leads. They were, it was a couple that was already married and um, in the process of adopting a child. And it was like the main character's brother or something. We actually didn't see that movie, but so that was the deal with that. And so like baby steps, I guess, but it's 2021 (laughs) and like, yeah. I mean, I was surprised for anything. So (laughs) I was excited. The bar was low. So therefore... (laughs) So anyway, shortly later, there's a scene where Jake is having trouble getting into character because he doesn't know, quote, who Scrooge is on the inside, unquote. And here I think we can talk a little bit more about Ted's previous comments of Scrooge is not this deep. I, Go ahead, Sarah. Talk, no, I was going to say, talk about that for a second, because I have to talk about how she helped him get into character, which I found to be the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. That's why I laughed immediately when Mary brought it up, because I was like, oh, that scene. <laughs> But yeah, I just feel like, I feel like if you're an adult in the U.S. and you're confused about the character of Ebenezer Scrooge, like, where have you lived? Like, under a rock? <laughs> like, it's a grumpy guy that gets happy. It's not a complex evolution. Well, so I have to admit, I did think that he sort of, I don't know if you've seen the, like, ultra dark animated version of, no. of Christmas Carol that Jim Carrey was in recently. It's it's the whole original text for one thing, entirely original text from the book. Oh, wow. And it is actually very dark. Like I wouldn't show it to kids, even though it's animated. Like it's actually very dark. I do recommend it's a different take, but and I almost felt like he was going for that Jim Carrey voice and everything. Mm. Like that's what he was doing. But the thing that I thought was super weird about this is she I wish we could like I know we don't usually we don't have video on our podcast, but like. She had her hands like across his forehead at one time and then like swiped down his cheek and then like a back of her hand. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And, and like helping him feel his face. Like she's trying to shape his face into the emotions that maybe he would have or something. I, I could not figure out what she was doing, but it was really awkward, especially I mean, you don't, I don't think you do that to your spouse, let alone some dude that you just like hired to be in your play that's really famous. It was, I, I just, I, could, I don't even think I could watch it again. It was so awkward. But So I got pretty hung up on what Ted was talking about, about this whole, like, let's go deep with Scrooge. And you're right that there have been really dark productions of A Christmas Carol. Mm. And I feel like that's happened because A Christmas Carol has been done so many times that people want to put a fresh spin on it. And so it's a choice to make it dark. Right. But um, I don't think it has to be. And I don't think the text particularly lends itself to that. And I don't think the text particularly lends itself to any of these characters being particularly complex. And that's fine. That's not what we like A Christmas Carol for. You know, there are other Dickens works that have much more character depth than this one. This isn't it, but that's okay. It's still a lovable story without that. Well, and everybody knows the character. So you, unless you really screwed it up, you probably couldn't get it wrong. You're grumpy at the beginning and then you get less grumpy and then you're very happy at the end. <laughs> Did you all also appreciate how they like sort of ham fisted the parallel of Jake to Scrooge? Yeah. Thank (laughs) you for bringing that up. They were really trying to, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) I appreciated that they went there. They tried. They tried so hard to make this a deep thing about how Jake, like Scrooge, really loves his family but has lost touch of how to express that or something. And he's going to discover the true meaning of Christmas. So anyways, this was brought up more than once and it was ham-fisted every time and it was unconvincing every time. Shortly afterwards, there's a scene that matters not at all, except for the fact that the assistant, oh yeah. So Jake has an assistant called Ben who um, apparently is his right-hand man and like really good at everything. Ben went to Cleveland to get Jake's favorite moisturizer. (laughs) (laughs) so how is that even a part of the script (laughs) so I mean I think that the thing is it's supposed to be this thing where Jake is usually the kind of guy who like demands that a hotel have a certain moisturizer and like sheets with a certain thread count this came up earlier and this sort of thing and he's no longer the kind of guy who cares about that and he's like oh thanks Ben but you know I, I don't care about that anymore you didn't have to do that anymore that's not what bothered me about this scene here's what bothered me about this scene 614 is a Columbus area code Oh, here's what they screwed it up. Why are they going? And they make it clear later that Cleveland is the nearest big city to Dickens. They screwed it up. 614 is not a Cleveland area code. 
Well, and that's not hard to figure out, Hallmark. No, you can Google that shit. <laughs> right. But whatever. In, in about not even a second. Yeah, doesn't take long. Anyway. Actually, I'll tell you right now what Cleveland's area code is. <laughs> Let's see. Cleveland area code. It's 216. Okay, they, 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 need, <laughs> they need new production assistants. I mean, this, this shit isn't hard. You need a Ben on your staff who can be like, oh yeah, I'll Google what Cleveland's area code is because shit's not hard. <laughs> That's right. Okay, anyways. So then what happens? What are, we, what are we doing next? So they go caroling at something called a candlelight walk because obviously, and they end up dancing together at a pub that has Dickens-themed drinks, which of course they do. And then there's some kind of a charity pie delivery event. This is all just one. I'm just like reading out the bingo moments now. We'll no, get there later. Like, they all were weird and they kind of all meshed together. I'm not going to lie. I don't remember them all. And why is a charity pie delivery? Like, I just feel like if you're going to be delivering food to someone before Christmas who is in need of food, like why? How about, how about something like with substance? How about like dinner? You know, like how about like. <laughs> how about a turkey? Like pies are nice. People also rather do enjoy oftentimes doing their own Christmas baking. So maybe, you know, maybe they would rather have, you know. Obviously there's a sugar shortage in town and they, right. they're just doing pies for everyone. You know, maybe they'd generous. rather have some, yeah, some groceries, but whatever, you know, they're delivering pies. And of course the pie delivering event is out of the brother's restaurant. The brother has a name, by the way. And at this point, I finally wrote it down. It's Craig. Oh, yes. Um, and at this point, Jake and Craig have uh, a talk about how Jake never comes home, and that's why Craig is still mad at him, um, and they don't get along. And it's something about the mother part. dying, right? Like yes. So this comes out later. Sick or something. He doesn't tell Craig this in this scene, but later he tells Cassie this: that the reason Jake hasn't come home in years is because ever since their mother died, it's really hard for him to come home, and it's not just because he's this big shot who's too good to come back home to Ohio; it's because he misses mom. Meanwhile, brother Craig is still running the family restaurant, you know, without him, because obviously Jake went off and became an action star instead. Um, as, as you do. You can note about the inside of the restaurant roughly had 70 trees in it. <laughs> like there wasn't even room for patrons. There were just so many trees. Every... I didn't even notice this because I'm so. Oh, I, I, and this, this yeah. happened last week too. So we had another person on last week who. Um, doesn't watch these in the regular and me, me and Mary we're blinded by all the regular Christmas <laughs> decorations we're blinded by how much hot cocoa they drink like we, we don't, don't even, even notice, notice anymore, anymore. Yeah. in fact we we struggle sometimes to find the bingo moments because they're there's so many they're hiding in plain sight <laughs> exactly yeah. they're not even like they're not even mentionable in our mind unless it's something way over the top but 70 trees I remember Mary last year we did that one I think it was the, the actually the Jewish one, where she had a restaurant that also had more trees than she possibly could have fit patrons. Oh yeah, you're right, the Hanukkah one. Yeah, she had a ton of Christmas trees. Ironically, there's always a token Hanukkah movie. Yeah, um, which but we didn't they, watch this year. We didn't watch the one this year. Last year's was very, like um, basically a Christmas movie, but with Hanukkah, which I think is what they usually do. Yeah. So because they um, they, they obviously have no actual Jewish people that work for them. <laughs> So anyways, so yeah, Christmas trees. And the restaurant also looked shockingly like, you know, I want to say a Chili's, some kind of some kind of like generic Americana like chain restaurant. Yes, yeah. in a small town. No character at all. No sort of like small town. Except for the 70 Christmas trees. I was gonna Except say the right, there's a lot of character in 80 Christmas trees. That's true. If you have more trees than people, that's that's character, I would say. They obviously care, don't care how many people come to the restaurant. <laughs> Ed, would you say the trees are themselves a character in the movie? I, I would say so. They're always <laughs> watching. Are they, are they, were they different decorations, like 70 different themes of decor, or did they kind of match each other? I will say that, like, this is a very nerdy film student thing, I will say, but like, in a lot of it, it's just muted green trees with the same decorations. Yeah. But occasionally you will get like a <laughs> accent tree that like pulls your attention. It's like a lighter green than usual. And I always look for the accent tree <laughs> because it means they really took some time setting things up. Oh, they, they are definitely, you know, this is, this is the channel where you put wreaths on walls inside your house at Christmas time <laughs> where there's ever a spare moment where you can't, they can't, or like, 
Remember, did we watch one last week, Mary, or maybe a couple weeks ago, where she had Christmas decorations on her headboard? Yes, we definitely did. And you were like, who's coming in here to see your decorations? Like, nobody's getting laid in Hallmark, as we know. So, like, <laughs> why do we have to have decor on her head? Her headboard? I mean, maybe it makes her happy. I guess other people are not the only reason to have Christmas decor. However, the headboard is a lot. And I just want to say, when you talked about wreaths on walls just now, I had forgotten until this moment that that's not normal. But it, because we, we, we pointed it movie. out a yeah. lot early on in this yeah. podcast that we were like, oh, look, another room that has not only a fireplace and a wreath and windows and wreaths, but also just a blank wall and a Christmas wreath because you just take yeah. your, apparently you take your artwork down at Christmas and replace them with wreaths. Yeah, anyway. so family photos not needed at Christmas. You know what you no. do need? Wreaths. Wreaths. And, and we have also, at one point, I'd like to try and calculate, even if we got like the shittiest wreath possible from like five below or something, how much would it cost to do the kind of decor that they do at these houses? Especially because we have- know they're not, they're not at five below for the decorations. You know, they're getting them from like balsam hill trees, as we know. Brought to you this by is Hallmark. why they have no budget to like do anything fun in Hallmark movies because it's all in decor. They must own a lot of that stuff. Though, oh so yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally out, joking but... because they definitely recycle the same decor over and over again. I'm sure, but um, but but, but yeah. you have to update it sometimes. Like you can't anyway. True, right. but I'm sure you can do a lot with the same trees. Back to Jake trees. Dorsey. What what happens? Back with to Jake, Jake. Back to Jake Dorsey. So he's again at the family restaurant with the seventy trees. And shout out to the accent trees. And he, after the pie delivery from the restaurant scene, takes Cassie on a date at this family restaurant. And they both order pot pie and agree that brother Craig has improved upon mom's old recipe. And they have this really great moment of like, oh yeah, mom would be so proud of you and your pot pie recipe. And the brothers are sort of starting to be friends again. And then after that, um, they get outside and it turns out that Jake has ordered a horse and carriage to accompany Cassie to her abode. Because those are prevalent on every street corner in Dickens, Ohio, apparently. Well, I think that it's part of the Dickens days thing, you know, that like the town gets transformed into Victorian London or whatever. They actually like made it made a statement she's like he really the mayor really went all out he even got carriages so oh, like, right so so yeah, set it's us not up normal for that. okay all right, all right. <laughs> they did set up the carriage thing but it still is clearly a romantic gesture on his part to have ordered one to be waiting for them outside the restaurant which again raises the question of are they dating now oh, that was very weird i don't i don't know there are a lot of dates for them not dating <laughs> there are a lot of dates for them not dating but very little um anything that would indicate that they are attracted to each other. I would agree with that. As is normal in Hallmark movies. Like they definitely don't kiss until the last Except for that weird claymation face. Except for the weird claymation face (laughs) thing. There there are a lot of dates and very little of the other things that I think traditionally accompany dating for adults in the 21st century. Anyways, after this, Cleveland Today is going to interview Jake. And again, they're in 614, but clearly Cleveland is the closest city. The interview is on an ice rink because obviously, and then after that, they go Christmas tree shopping because obviously, and then talking metaphors about Christmas trees. And Jake tells her that a tree that has gone through a rough patch is the strongest tree on the lot because she has apparently gone through a rough patch with her divorce recently. And again, with the divorce just being this thing in the background that's mentioned like twice in the movie and yet it's supposed to give her backstory and character and I don't buy it. So then they're tree trimming because obviously, and that's when Jake confesses to her the real reason that he doesn't come back to Ohio more. And it's because he misses his mom, blah, blah, blah. Um, the dunes of Eastland. Yeah. Hence why he wants to act in the dunes of East Falls High or whatever. So at some point we're at Ace Hardware store. Um, <laughs> oh, I, several I love times. that place. Several times. So much Ace Hardware. There's like a bag from Ace Hardware at one point. They walk past Ace Hardware at another point and they actually go to Ace Hardware. <laughs> and then there's a commercial. Who wants to get their things at Ace Hardware? Yeah, they were not subtle about the product placement. Like there are times when they're subtle and there are times when they're just not. They, they were I not. think this anyways. was better than the let's bake a sour cream cake with Daisy sour cream. But like, that was pretty blatant. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, at least with the ace thing, they managed to like work it into the plot. Yeah, whereas the baby was... sour cream thing was just pretty random. We just needed a cake at that moment in time that it has to be made with Daisy Sour Cream. <laughs> right. Um, I, I thought about that today. I was at the supermarket and I saw Daisy Sour Cream and I was like, oh, Hallmark would like me to buy you. However, I'm going to purchase the generic instead. That's right. But... <laughs> Do a dollop of Daisy. Anyway. Anyways, apparently Jake worked at Ace Hardware. I don't know. This is part of him being the set guy who could never get cast in the plays or something. Yeah. Anyhow, the attractive high school kid who wanted to be in the play that couldn't get in the play. Right. <laughs> Not a thing. Right. Definitely a thing that happens all the time. <laughs> and so, and then we get another scene of Cassie coaching Jake on his Scrooge role because, again, apparently Scrooge is way deep. Um, and she says, <laughs> Every line he line. said began with spirit. Spirit. <laughs> Very Which, important. To be fair, there's a lot of spirits, but. Um, it's true. And I also think this is a good time to shout out that, like, I, I think Palaha, is that his name? Yeah, Christopher Palaha. Only he, uh, like of the Hallmark actors, I think we've seen very few who I'm confident would have the ability to have like a character within a character in a movie. Oh. But he does. He has like a Scrooge he's, voice. He's good. He's, he's good. Yeah, he's pretty good. So yeah, he effectively plays the role of, you know, a good actor, which is something. <laughs> and to be fair... It's entirely possible that many of the Hallmark actors are good actors and they just are given nothing to work with. They did. He did get to do like a lot of accents and, you know, yeah. like, yeah, they did kind of. It's, kind it's, of it's funny to hire Palaha to play an actor. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody else gets to do that, I guess. They have to play some lame guy that either works at a Christmas tree lot or sells <laughs> stocks. Like those are the choices. <laughs> Like, I was kind of surprised the first time he was running lines with the nephew and all of a sudden there's a British accent and like a pretty good one and not just a British accent, but definitely a character voice. I was like, oh shit, like, he's all over Deck the Hallmark. They are very big fans of Plaha. He goes all on right, the show I can see all the time. I, um, I was going to ask you guys if you thought that the cast of the theater production was purposely bad. Because Brandon, Brandon is actually a good young child actor, but he actually read his lines woodenly in the scene. And then you had the other actors around him. And I was like, is that just like throwing shade at community theater? Like, look at We're just supposed to highlight how good Jake how is. How good Jake is. Oh, That's what I by comparison. Okay. Yeah, I like that reading you know, better. Because he is, he is very, very talented. And, and more so than just do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> But they also could be throwing shade at community theater. I don't know, which is not very nice of them. Well, considering I, I mean, that's, that's probably who their audience is. That's exactly what I was going to say, Sarah. <laughs> like, like, who else is watching these movies for something? They seriously. But anyways, um, so while she's coaching him this time, she has a line that I wrote down verbatim, and it was, I need you to get out of your head and into your body. And <laughs> I just my body. Out, Thank you. Thank you. In any other movie that we are watching, that line would be sexual. Yeah. However, in this movie, it is completely sexless <laughs> because it's Hallmark. Yeah. But any other movie that would write that line into it, it would be sexual. Just saying. Well, I mean, or they, they could say it exactly like that, but then they would totally get naked because... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, that was a bad line. I mean, so I have to admit, as we get like further into the movie, what I I I don't know if I just stopped paying attention or what, but like, what happens at the end? I mean, I obviously know exactly what happens at the end, but I I think I sort of switched off for a little bit towards the like <laughs> because you know when we get to that point where there's like more commercials than actual content. Yeah, definitely, and you definitely get there in the last half hour of a Hallmark movie, if not before. And they so were plugging that there. really bad Royal Queens Christmas movie that's coming oh, out yeah. like nothing. So much plugging for that. <laughs> so I, I I kept thinking, what movie am I watching? <laughs> but anyway, no, it's true. It's a little bit confusing. So we are getting to that, and so now we have a scene where Jake and Cassie are going to dinner at Craig's house. Craig being the brother, the brother. remember. Yep. Um, and, and there is a line that I also wrote down from this, which is Cassie says to Jake, now this is mulled wine. It's an English Christmas tradition. Why does Jake need this explained to him? Is, is mulled wine this foreign exotic concept that American people are not aware of, especially American people who probably, you know, like run in pretty 
you know, action um, movie stars obviously are not of that, of that, (laughs) you know, not that caliber of drinker. Okay, cool. I mean, mold wine is not obviously that complicated. Anyways, so they have mold wine and then the brothers have a heart to heart and they exchange apologies. You know, Jake apologizes for never being home and Craig apologizes for the unkind things he said to him last time he was home and they're friends again and Brennan's Christmas wishes come true. Then we have a scene at, I wrote down the time here, at one hour and 41 minutes of this two-hour movie, we have Jake and Cassie holding hands, but they still haven't kissed yet because it's Hallmark. Yeah, we always think that's a weird thing, Ted. We do tend to notice that, that like, who doesn't kiss? Who holds hands before they have kissed? (laughs) Only like That's a really good question. Only like like, kindergartners, you know, on their way to the, the museum. Yeah. something yeah i mean maybe if you're in third grade and you're like will you be my girlfriend then you hold hands but won't kiss but yeah and especially with how close their lips have been in proximity so many times (laughs) like the face rubbing scene (laughs) the like dancing scene first moves have been made they're just not the first moves one would expect (laughs) um so anyways so then ben the assistant reveals that he has secretly sent rehearsal footage from this play to the producers for the of Duke of East Falls or whatever the fuck. And <laughs> they are impressed with it and they are interested. But in order to get the part, he has to ditch the show and go to this fancy Christmas Eve party hosted by this famous producer that only, you know, the cream of the crop gets invited to. And he was like, well, no, that's an easy decision. I'm not going. I'm going to stay and be in the show. And Cassie says, no, you absolutely have to go. This is the part you've always wanted. And she's like, I'm kicking you off the show. But she actually wants him to come back, as she says in the next scene, which, okay, sure. Um, Um, I want to highlight a line that I wrote down from that scene. Um, I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about your heart. That was a good line. (laughs) Yes, it's amazing. When she's talking to her mother, I think, after she's told him to leave, she's like, but you want him to come back, don't you? And she's like, I do. (laughs) Like, then why did you literally kick him off the show? Like, this is a call that you made, Cassie. This is a call that you made. She's going to ruin the whole show by doing that, we might add. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, so many people. Are counting on this 100 years of Dickens. <laughs> so anyways. Cleveland's going to be there. <laughs> Cleveland's going to be there. Not just Dickens. Cleveland is going to be there. But that very special 614 Cleveland. <laughs> very small suburb outside of Columbus. <laughs> Multiple area codes are going to be let down by this. That's right. That's right. <laughs> It's the biggest thing in Ohio at Christmas, obviously. (laughs) Biggest thing in Ohio at Christmas. So anyways, they have this whole conversation about how um, it isn't the right time. And this is another Hallmark thing where they will invent some sort of barrier to a relationship where none actually exists. They have not bothered to create a conflict that would actually make a relationship between Cassie and Jack at all problematic or uncomfortable or um, difficult to achieve in any way. And so they have to throw in some generic lines about how it's not the right time presumably because she's divorced but seeing as the ex-husband's been mentioned a grand total of twice i, I think she's over him so I-, I i don't buy that it's not the right time and actually she says later like no it is the right time i just i just lied yeah, like I, I wrote a line down from that moment i don't i was like four glasses of wine in at that point but i think it was <laughs> as you the should heart, have been <laughs> the heart doesn't care about timing it just makes it beat faster which I just didn't comprehend as a line at all, but. So are they talking like technically speaking? <laughs> like from a cardiologist's point of view? That's, I don't think it's false, but I also don't know how it's true in terms of the story, but. Um... Or how that connects to any emotion whatsoever except the physicality of what happens to your heart. That is a good line. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, as it is not a good line. line. <laughs> We find out that the show is not canceled though, because Cassie is going to step in as Scrooge and the show must go on, which like really? okay that's that. what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So Cassie's <laughs> gonna step in as Scrooge. Somebody was also four glasses of wine deep besides Ted, I can tell. So um, <laughs> by myself on a Friday night. <laughs> anyway. This is the real downside of continuing to do this podcast while pregnant, is I cannot be four glasses of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I, really I really liked it. Experience all of it, Mary. Luckily, right. Mary can really remember all the details <laughs> because I, am I not have no escape here. 
it's um, all right Ray. you can get back next year <laughs> yeah next year next year I'll, I'll make up for last time so anyways the show must go on and cassie's gonna play scrooge now so she's all costume and makeup up but not really that convincingly she's still got her like long flowing blonde <laughs> curls um they haven't bothered to like put a wig on her or anything like that she's a very sexy scrooge let's be honest here <laughs> but right then jake comes back and he's like you know i came back anyways and then you kicked me off the show and i'm gonna take over and play scrooge now and then they're backstage and it looks like they're about to kiss but they don't and there's absolutely again no reason in the world why they wouldn't kiss at this point except that it's hallmark and there's only kissing allowed in the last minute so they don't kiss um and then the show is great everybody loves it standing ovation everything's great and they kiss in the last 30 seconds after agreeing to like move together or something i'm not really sure what they agreed to but i you missed the part that i thought was the best is that he managed to get his his catchphrase into the play (laughs) oh yeah he did manage to get his catchphrase into the play everybody in the cast in the curtain said said his catchphrase they all said his catchphrase and then they talk about how she's going to go back to New York and try her hand at directing again. And she was like, oh, we can make long distance work. And he's like, no, Cassie, I'm going to be wherever you're going to wherever be. So apparently they're going to move together and now they can kiss now that they have dedicated to moving across the country together. But now surely, it is finally yeah. okay for their lips to make physical contact with each other. Surely you do that before you agree to like essentially move in with someone, but you know, right. whatever. Right. So I already um, held hands, Sarah. They're as good as married. Right. In <laughs> That's right, in Hallmark clan. <laughs> right. right. So, the end. The end. Um, but before we do bingo moments, actually, I was wondering, Ted, if you were book coaching somebody who came to you with the novel version of this script, how would you break it to them? So, I'll be really honest. I think that Hallmark's formula is very good narrative sugar cookie. Like, you're not going to leave satisfied, but you're going to like enjoy it because they do this cool thing where it's like narrative microdosing, <laughs> where they give you just enough about the character in each scene where you're like, oh, okay, I'll watch the next scene. And I, I was just paying extra close attention to it. Like uh, when Ray couldn't talk and they're talking about replacing him and then they're like, oh, we need Jack Dorsey. And then they just threw in all of these <laughs> arbitrary things that made it really important that Jack Dorsey take the role or else, or they just can't do it. And it was just like a very, it's very economical. It's not like super satisfying, like character arcs weren't really consistent, but they gave you enough from scene to scene to keep you moving. So I would say I have some larger character critiques for this. Like for instance, why did Jack come late to the like Christmas event? And he's like, I just want to do the part. And then is immediately playing Santa in the next scene. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what made that decision, but I think from scene to scene, they give you the great cause effect chain that like keeps people like very engrossed. And then of course, like really attractive people doing those things. So that helps too. So you have the, the good that you can lead with before you get into like your characters make no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah. But I would course, say this, this is a quick a book, read. If this was a book, we wouldn't have the benefit of attractive people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And you couldn't see all the trees. Like, I don't, then we wouldn't have had that really awkward face shaping scene. Oh, you could have the face shaping scene in a book. A description of it, and she pushes his face into a sad face. Oh, it could totally happen. It could. Totally, you could also have attractive characters in a book. It's extremely possible. Mary, I would, I would like love for you to write <laughs> that face scene <laughs> completely devoid of eroticism in a Hallmark way. Like, <laughs> how do you have a heterosexual male and female like? touching each other's faces and it's just void of any so, sort of Mary you have to rewatch it again I know you were like I don't know what you're talking about I was like that was the most awkward Hallmark scene I've <laughs> ever seen in like years of watching Hallmark I'll never forget it it was very uncomfortable <laughs> it was very traumatizing <laughs> especially as like someone that did theater and they in my past life like if some even if it was a guy director did that to me I would be like um I'm calling the principal <laughs> this doesn't seem right dude <laughs> like why are you touching my face okay well that's that's good i think that's i mean obviously this it is very fun to get your perspective on this time and and we are really enjoying having some people who are new to the genre slightly too oh yeah like i've been a fan of hallmark lifetime movies so i was very excited that you guys have me on the show i could talk about these forever that's great. That's great. So I think I knew this about you, Ted, that you're such a fan of 
Hallmark yeah. Lifetime movies. I will say notice. usually I'm plowed by the end. So oh, I, I was very conscientiously <laughs> curbing my drinking during this <laughs> event. You gotta, you gotta pay attention. I, I, gotta I, pay attention. We have, even my mom pointed out um, that of late, they've been advertising Lifetime movies on Hallmark. which That's oh, like wow. a big thing to do. I was like, whoa, they're trying to. That's like that time when Santa Claus at Macy's sent the kids to Gimbel's. <laughs> yes. In Miracle on 34th Street. That's what they're doing. Yeah. It's, yeah, they're putting it's Christmas weird. before profit. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. The bingo moments. Now, obviously, we've said this is essentially an entire full bingo card. But I did come up with something that, and, and we talked about this. But I did come up with something that I thought was a good, a traditional bingo moment that might not have been spied by all, but um, we did notice it. And that was the product placement of Ace Hardware yes. in several different things. But I would say more tastefully done than Daisy Sour Cream. Like they yeah. literally just wrote a scene to incorporate Daisy Sour Cream where this was like, we might need to go to Ace Hardware to build our set. What about you, Ted? What was your bingo moment? I'm keen to hear there's just so many good things in this. I I think I will say the two, two I will call out is one, the mayor just always referred to as the mayor. And the mayor has this power that is, I mean, almost it's like, like super. Like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like the mayor has to approve this. The mayor said. Um, and yet is very weirdly involved in the sort of, you know, non-civic cultural traditions of this town. Yes, exactly. And, and I would argue that why didn't he say, oh, I'll do it if he's so interested in the play? Like, whatever. He's the mayor, Sarah. He's got shit to he's, do. He has to introduce this play or something. <laughs> and then the other thing, <laughs> uh, we've kind of touched on this with like all the trees, but like the, the scenes where they do the wide shot and... <laughs> When you actually see all of it, I'm thinking of the scene where on the porch having the brother heart to heart and they do a wide shot and it looks like, like they're at Chernobyl. It's like radioactive <laughs> lights blasting the camera. And it's like, what? <laughs> when the, the close-ups, you like just see the lights in the background, but the wide shot really, I mean, it, it looked radioactive. So I think if you can have a radioactive Christmas with a the mayor, then... I mean, what good is Christmas? That is a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go ahead and fill out the rest of this bingo card here. Um, for one thing, we have a small town with a time-honored Christmas tradition that everyone is extremely invested in. Number two, we've got an adorable niece or nephew, in this case, a nephew, who is unusually wise and mature for their age and has none of the undesirable characteristics that children usually have. <laughs> and nothing against children with like undesirable child characteristics. Like all children have them. All children are annoying sometimes. That's fine. That's part of being a kid. Hallmark kids, never annoying. Or at least never more annoying than Hallmark adults. Let's put it that way. <laughs> a hot cocoa stands at 24 minutes. There is some town festival that is not entirely clear why it's happening or what it entails. There is more hot cocoa. Let's see what else. We've got caroling at something called a candlelight walk. And I feel like those are both bingo moments. We have the charity pie delivery is definitely a bingo moment of some kind. There's definitely going to be some charitable event that is completely not rooted in, you know, the needs of people, which to be fair, a lot of charity events aren't. But do you guys think that they just have? words in a bowl and they just draw them out for Christmas events like pie festival or Charles Dickens festival like and that's how they kind of put it together because charity oh, yeah. pie event is it's out there it's a mad lib like, it sounds why, like exactly it came it? out of a generator or something absolutely <laughs> absolutely I, I, I do want to point out believe though the the deck the hallmark guys currently on their Instagram account have like a Circle the stars. Here's the potential <laughs> plot lines, like almost like a sort of slot machine-esque thing you could do on Instagram <laughs> to write your own Hallmark story. Yeah, they're serious. They, they've got this shit down. The fact that the interview with Cleveland today takes place on an ice rink 
although they do avoid doing the usual ice rink thing, which is where one of the two of them can't skate and they have to kind of awkwardly hold on to each other. So they do avoid doing it. It's only a half bingo moment, but still. Christmas tree shopping, making it a metaphor. Christmas tree trimming with, you know, deep emotional revelations. And yeah, I'll stop there. We have plenty of bingo moments now. I did laugh out loud when Cassie skates up to the camera on the ice rink and does like the 360 spin for no reason. Like it's never said she was a great skater. It just happens. Just I just really enjoyed that. Of course There are only is. two kinds of Hallmark characters on the <laughs> ice rink. The kind that are great skaters or the kind that are just bad enough skaters to have to hold the arm of the partner who is a great skater. There is no one who can like skate competently across the ice but not do a pirouette. That's true. That, and of course, those are the only two types of skaters in the world. Right. So that makes total sense. Right, absolutely. <laughs> Hashtag relatable with Hallmark Top. I actually have a couple for Hashtag Relatable, actually. But I don't know what you're gonna say, Mary. So I don't want to steal your thunder. So what I am oh, you know what say, I'm gonna say. You know what I'm gonna say. All right, I'll, I'll keep my second one then for you to say. My um, hashtag relatable is the is the six one four area code. Right, and that's what I assume. So Ohio, um, I did look up if there was Dickens, Ohio. There's not. But the one thing I wrote down, and maybe it's relatable. Maybe this is not exactly what they were doing, but I thought they were having a Dickens festival, which is a thing that we go yeah. to in in. Narworth, Pennsylvania. It was just yeah. They last had it last weekend. weekend. Yeah, I didn't go, but they they had it last weekend. I've been before. It's fun. Oh, and cool. it's it's like men in top hats and scarves, and they little boys like give out newspapers and all sorts yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and for the kids, and... there's this like scavenger hunt thing where the kids have to find all of the different Dickens characters that are wandering around and, and get like them a to Scrooge like sign their little booklet or something. Jacob Marley. They're all there. Yeah. That you can make like. Well, toast marshmallows on the like open bin fire and you know like all this kind of stuff they have carolers really in victorian costume it's cute it's fun oh and you can drink in the street this was just the best oh yeah part they have the hot toddy. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are three pubs in narberth they're all in the same street and that day they all serve hot toddies and yeah you can just carry your little mug around with your hot toddies <laughs> what about you ted anything relatable for you once again another economic storytelling but i loved that the job that Cassie's dreams would die in is accounts payable. <laughs> Mom's like, <laughs> she's like, there's an accounts payable job. And then she like, and that's like the worst thing that could happen to someone. But I think like <laughs> that sort of bookkeeping accounting thing is everyone kind of thinks of that as like, man, that would be boring. So I thought that was just watch. I want to see a Hallmark character. That's like an accountant. We all are in agreement that this one actually would say it wasn't half bad but there were some weird moments and the best part about this movie is obviously Palaha like we need Hallmark we know you listen to our podcast because you've <laughs> taken on board some things that we have suggested but like you 100% need to write much better characters for Christopher Palaha he is like he's a talented dude and he in fact cinema makers of the world employ Christopher Palaha like he's good we have a um, fever that's right and the only <laughs> prescription is more Palaha more Palaha and in fact I think his Instagram like his handle is like Palaha and I'm like <laughs> oh he's even clever like I love this <laughs> what's not to like I know um and obviously Palaha even though we make fun of your movies if you want to come on our show we would definitely not say no I think we make fun of we make fun of your movies in spite of you and not because of you. That's You're right. our favorite part. You, so. you are absolutely the best part of this movie. And I, I would say, Mary, is this the only Palaha we've actually ever really focused on? It might be the only Palaha Hallmark we've done an episode on, yes. And so which made him all the more impressive. He kind of came out of nowhere. That's right. Um, I mean, he he's been around, but like we just haven't watched his movies, I don't think. And to um, be entirely fair. Sarah and I both agreed that this is above average for the movies we've seen this season. This Definitely. is absolutely not the worst we've seen, especially coming off of, oh God, the nine the kittens of Christmas. And, and then the what was last week? Just a swap hometown. That was holiday. so bad. Yeah. So two quite bad ones. And this was by comparison, you know, 
it was weak it was a sugar cookie of a movie like ted said but um but it did manage to entertain us at moments and largely because like you know palaha yeah so essentially i think if we were to rewrite this and of course we we took some guidance from from our book writer <laughs> helper ted here we i think we would probably go back to when palaha arrives right <laughs> And he, they essentially decide to scrap the entire very ad- inadequate cast anyway, <laughs> by all standards, and do a one, he pitches to her a one-man version of A Christmas Carol. I mean, we could even do where it was a one-man version to begin with, and just that one man was Ray, and now oh, Ray's right. gone, That's and they true. need someone else to do it. Because the thing is, I would much rather just like watch Palaha put on A Christmas Carol than watch this movie. <laughs> Definitely. I want to hear all the voices. I want to hear yeah. like his ghost of his Jacob Marley, his ghost oh, yeah. of Christmas present and past and future. And, you know, think of the costume changes and how he can. It's gonna be so great. This. He can do that thing where like he's got one top hat for Scrooge and like a slightly more raggedy top top hat for Jacob Marley, and then he's just like forever wearing a nightgown, but has forever wearing a nightgown. On. Except then when he becomes like the ghost of Christmas present, he like throws off the nightgown and he's like Chris Kringle underneath and like Oh yes, yes. Um, yeah. There are there's so much possibility here. So much palaha that can be palahad. <laughs> I would like movie. to see him, you know, when they do like the Christmas past visit and they go to like him dancing with Belle or whatever, like it has to be like a go like I wanna see him dance and be Belle. And himself in the same like physicality that would be really wow. I mean what if we had a palaha hologram in the mix <laughs> so we had double the palaha maybe yes! we just need a ton of palaha holograms doing this whole movie on their own imagine the palaha choreography <laughs> like with like group palahas oh my god this is great it writes itself really and we can still have Cassie have like a role in this as the director who every now and then comes in is like, all right, all right, I like it. So now do that. But like Palaha number seven, you're really offbeat today. <laughs> <laughs> or just like have him do it with a different voice. Just like, okay, so I like what you're doing, but let's pretend that this particular ghost is a cowboy and do it again. So her role, she's essentially like the straight man who's just going to like set up opportunities for more palaha and like i'm fine with that i don't need this to be a love story right well and yeah. she could she could be like okay the, the f- christmas future is going to take place in space go do the martian <laughs> scene like yeah. you know whatever like it's just gonna yeah. be all about we're gonna give everything we've got and showing palaha what he can do like he's just gonna he's gonna get so much work out of this film because he's gonna be so versatile it's gonna be amazing and he could build his own sets since he was a set designer in high school. Exactly. Right. I mean. Next time they make a Wonder Woman movie, they're not going to be like, let's cast Palaha as handsome man number two or whatever. Exactly. They're going to be like, let's cast Palaha as Wonder Woman. Exactly. He's just going to get so much work out of this. And I, I think there's got to be a montage scene where he's like going from character to character. But as he's going from character to character, he's also like, painting and sewing the costumes and like you know styling some wigs and you know whatever like he's he's just like he's owning all of this production because he's so talented but what about i did ask this when we were first talking do we have to is is he replacing his own nephew or is there a cameo what if his what if his nephew is the hologram projector runner so he's there and like supporting the production, but maybe just not. But, but he's 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 teach he's learning the backstage life. <laughs> he's inspired by his his uncle's previous career. In right, because I definitely think we need to see Palaha also be Tiny Tim. And oh so yeah, we have that's Brendan be... in that capacity. Yeah, no question. But we great. we could have Brendan in another capacity, as Ted suggests. And I think yeah, he's going to be in the technical crew. I like yeah. that. I like that. So he's there, and maybe even like. Maybe Craig's going to take care of catering, but... Um, Maybe Craig can just throw in some, like, food porn for us for, like, the Christmas meal. Just make us a nice, you know, traditional goose or whatever and a figgy oh. pudding. And 
And then that that's that's a part. And he, maybe maybe Palaha is going to insist that Craig makes the 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 prop meal for him because he's not as good at making the meal as as uh, his right. Brother. So like it's a one man show, but you still need people backstage. You still yeah. need brother Palaha backstage. <laughs> craft services. That's right. You have <laughs> craft services. Like, and you have. But it needs to be realistic. He's going to make the prop food and the actual food for him. <laughs> wow. And then I think this can just end with like after the show everyone's just enjoying that christmas dinner together and like the end and maybe i don't know are jake and cassie still in love i don't know if they are maybe they just were from the beginning because there were no actual barriers to this relationship and maybe just like that's fine he just she just calls her boyfriend to come be the one-man show oh palaha should he have a musical number i don't know i mean I can't imagine dancing. How could he not? I mean, he's so talented. Obviously. Right, he's Palaha. Yeah. So there's nothing that man can't do. So I, and, and, to, and I have to admit, after I talked about the Ghost of Christmas Future being in space, I think he's going to sing Life on Mars by David Bowie. <laughs> I mean, and that would be a real evolution of the character of the Ghost of Christmas Future, who's usually the silent ghost. That's right. Now <laughs> but Palaha is, makes him the singing ghost. Now he's Ziggy Stardust. Right. <laughs> it's a much needed t- change in the 21st century that's right and and palaha's gonna do his own like ziggy makeup when he goes and meets the ghost of christmas future he can even do that like on stage that can be part of the show is that oh yeah he's in this transition he's he's actually doing the makeup to become the ghost of christmas future while he's like talking to himself oh no he's starting the song it's a oh, starting- oh, small nice. affair <laughs> to the girl with the mousy hair. And he's like, paint. you know, it's almost like sending the clouds, like he's painting on the thing <laughs> while, he's, while he's singing the, the Life on Mars song. That's great. I love that. That's going to be good. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of transformation throughout the whole show, but this is this is going to be dramatic. Then- exactly. The transformation can happen on stage because Palaha. Because Palaha. Wow shit how do we get palaha on our show to show him that he needs to be in this new movie that just stars just him essentially all right so yeah. i'm going to take this beyond saying christopher palaha in the unlikely event that you're listening right now please contact <laughs> us through their facebook or instagram please do obviously but i'm also going to take this a step further and say if you know christopher palaha or know how to get in touch with christopher palaha <laughs> if you went to high school with christopher palaha's brother who now runs the family business in dickens ohio you know like tell us send get in touch email instagram facebook whatever you got we we want to we want to contact blaha and uh he i I don't even think he goes on the hallmarkies podcast i think he's just tied up with those deck the hallmark dudes but you know we we in fact oh has he been on deck the hallmark oh yeah he wrote the forward to their book oh nice wow they're like i'm so jealous now i know like he's like legitimate good guy and yeah and they're really they're really tight with them which is we gotta we gotta figure out how to meet him because we just wrote a movie that he needs to be in and even if the whole movie is just a (laughs) one-man christmas carol i don't care if anybody else is in it to be honest we just want to see him do that yeah it'll be good that's cool all right well should we do a little bit of a, a a preview for the upcomings yeah let's see let me pull out now, we already know all about a royal queen's Christmas because we all saw approximately <laughs> 14 advertisements for it during okay. this movie. Next Friday, we have Sugar Plum Twist, Christmas House 2, Deck Those Halls. <laughs> what a subtitle. <laughs> Obviously the sequel. Tis the Season to be Merry. And then we have, we have Christmas for Keeps. Any, any, any takers on what we should guess what it's about? I think in another episode, we already guessed about Tis the Season to be Mary and said it's about me. Oh, true. <laughs> well, that could have been any title that had Mary in it, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but Tis the Season to be Mary is definitely about you. <laughs> what about Sugar Plump Twist? What do we think that's about? It is definitely about a candy company. I was going to say the same thing. It has it's to gotta be. be. Right? That but- does make sense. But then what's the twist? Maybe maybe they're going to branch out and sell alcohol? <laughs> like a speakeasy, a Christmas speakeasy? Ooh, that would be good. Sugar plum twist. Or may, maybe maybe it's like actually a hairstylist show. And she's going to perfect the sugar plum twist as like this season's best updo for all of your holiday parties. I don't know. 
the sugar plum twist updo is something so specific that I would have a hard time getting excited about a plot around like a particular updo. As, a, as opposed to any other plot they might produce. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> point. I, I, I was going to say, what are your... Mm. Excellent point. Where are you so drawing the line, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> Mary hairstylist is also, on the other hand, like a shockingly normal job. A lot of people are hairstylists. And, you know... Maybe it, maybe it's a gay hairstylist. Maybe we're going to take it up a notch. Oh. There we go. We could have a gay character in a romantic lead in a Hallmark movie for the first time. Yeah, that's right. We did have, mom said there was a, another one that she saw that had lesbians in it. I was like, oh, we didn't watch that one. Well, I bet they were not the main character. No, it would have been very similar to Ted's like, oh, look, it's a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Panic Frank and you'll miss homosexuals <laughs> in the Hallmark movies. That's right. That's right. Well, I do think they had to start that on the channel because, the, you know, they, they were taking the conservative out of Hallmark and everybody's losing their mind. So I don't know whether Sugar Plum Twist will involve a candy maker, much like the Candy Cane CEO we had that one time, um, or whether it will involve a speakeasy owner or whether it will involve um, a gay hairstylist. But I think there is one thing that we do know for sure. And that is... They will, they will fall, fall in, in love. love. <laughs> Well, Todd, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, this has been really insightful. Thank you for listening to Hallmark Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at hallmarkedup, and on Facebook at hallmarkedup with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you I'm both. very glad that you enjoyed Palaha as much as we did. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the more Palaha, the more Palaha holograms. Any, any Palaha, just give it to me. This is brilliant. We got to see what else he's in coming up here. I, I, I like that we now have a Hallmark actor that we legitimately like. In the future, yes. we can look for his mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, this is this is a bit of a change for us. We might have to like start <laughs> our own Palaha. I don't know. We gotta find a clever name for our Palaha fan club. Well, yeah, we, we should just like rebrand as like Palaha fangirls. Exactly. <laughs> well, I don't know. We have to have some take on his name. We're gonna we're gonna need your help with that, Ted. What, what's our yeah. what's our fan club name? He's already <laughs> taken Palaha. That's right. And Palaha hologram. <laughs> are we are we Palaha horny? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to figure it he's out. He's not even that hot, though. Is the thing like he? He's like it's just because he has talent. He just yeah, no, it's just he could like it doesn't take much when you watch these movies. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> well, good work, Palaha, for remaining a Hallmark man, but also like keeping it real and looking like a talented man. <laughs>